Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. It's like being in love in Paris for the first time after you've had three double espressos. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I'm basically just screaming, grab that kid. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Toddlers are going to act their age. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. It's not a negotiation. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. This is Amy. And this week, we're talking about what is up with toddlers. (laughs) Oh, toddlers. This takes me back. Margaret, you used to have a blog. Tell us about that blog. I did. I had a blog, and it was called Short Fat Dictator. And it was all about toddlers. (laughs) My dad, when my, my... sister who's now quite slim and athletic when she was a two-year-old she was she had like those michelin man arms like she was so chubby that like she had arm rolls all the way down and uh so my dad nicknamed her the short fat dictator and uh it it became (laughs) a reference that lasted in our family and so when I started a blog I had three little kids and it came back to me and so I wrote under Short Fat Dictator for several years about the misadventures of toddlerhood. It's it's a hilarious. I think that you can still go look at it online, right? Yeah, pro- it's still, it lives. It lives. It's, it's, it's archival now, but it's still there. Shortfatdictator.com. Funny. Although I do remember I was with you and somebody was like, hey, you're not short or fat. And you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the People dictator. People say that all the time to me. <laughs> you don't look that short or fat to me. I'm, but there is something about, I mean, the, the, the whole vibe of the toddler is just like, they run the world. They, they run the world from their own little kingdom of your living room. They're very intense, right? So so um, there's a TED Talk about, about how babies think that I'm going to put up on our show page. And I was listening to this last night. And uh, Alison Gopnik is the researcher. And she says that being a, being a, I know, a baby toddler, like a sort of 12 to 18 month old, she says, it's like being in love in Paris for the first time after you've had three double espressos, that they, they live in this constant, like, I, like this amazing world where everything is so new and so exciting, but also completely overwhelming. overwhelming. That's an yeah. overwhelming way to live. And that's how, that's how they are. That's how they perceive the world at this age. Yeah, I mean, neither one of us has toddlers anymore. We have my youngest, my old, my youngest is five and my oldest is nine. 
But it's still seared on my memory, the experience of having a toddler. It tends to stay with you. And what I mean, what I remember more than anything is the sort of unpredictability, the the things that will make them throw themselves on the floor and, and beat their fists and stuff. Like, really? Over... It's that over right over the. It's this kind of French toast There's sticks. There's a Cheerio and the, out of the, the bowl, yeah. yeah. And this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I used to say to David, my husband, all the time in the evenings, we'd be lying down after going a couple rounds with the toddlers, and I would say, "Are we just holding all that in as adults? Like, imagine if you went through your day as a toddler, like." Your boss is like, oh, yeah, that that's we need to move the deadline up. And you just fell to the ground and started stomping your feet and wailing at the top of your lungs, you know, or you saw someone you liked and you just started running around in circles and waving your hand above your head and screaming happily. Like, <laughs> is that all still in each one of us? And we're just not expressing it anymore. <laughs> like, it's just we're just bottling that all up now I kind of like what I I, I I wondered that myself but then after sort of researching this I understood like their brains are so different at this age and are working in such on such different things that it really is this um, like way of perceiving the world and and existing that isn't the same after you're three and and you couldn't keep it up because the other hilarious thing about toddlers I just saw a friend with her toddler the other day in his stroller and I said, she looks like she had a rough night. Like she looked like a 20 something who was like rolling home from the bar, you know, like she just had those dead eyes and like the hair was all askew and you could just tell like it had been a rough morning already. You know, I mean, if you tried to maintain that toddler level at all times, you wouldn't survive. Well, you've seen those um, like the James Corden bits, right, where they have like a two year old come in and, and they pretend the two year old's a choreographer and that James Corden yes. and Jennifer Lopez or whoever it is have to do whatever the baby's doing and it's exhausting and they've, there've also been actual actual um, experiments where they've done that, with, where, let's say, a person has trailed a toddler for a whole day, and every time, everything they do, you have to mirror. And these adults can't no, you can't, can't keep function up. at the end. Well, I remember seeing a diagram at some point in a book that was like a diagram of a playroom, and it would show how different ages would interact with the playroom, and the toddlers like, here, touch it, there, go hit the other thing, run over here. Like the diagram was just like covered in squiggles. Like the toddler was all over the room. <laughs> and like a five-year-old might go over and play with a truck for a while and then put it down and then move to something else. But the ability of the toddler to just, it's a whirling dervish. It's like, but Jerry Seinfeld has a joke. A two-year-old is like a blender, but you don't have the lid. Like that's, <laughs> that's what it's like. It's just a spewing, twirling monstrosity. I always used to perceive my sons as being almost like there was this this sort of grim determination in them, like, well, this bookshelf isn't going to empty itself. Better get started, <laughs> right? It's time. <laughs> like, right. I got to pull out all this Tupperware again. <laughs> Nobody else is going to do it. No. And, but sometimes it didn't even seem fun. It just was like, no, I have to it's do just it. It's like, listen, it's another busy day in toddler land. We're going <laughs> to dig deep and we're going to pull out every single toy in the playroom and possibly throw them at each other. Right. Listen, we've got a lot to get to. Right. It's not, it's not about wanting to do it. It's about this is my job. I'm going to just be the Lord of Misrule in this home again today. The Lord of Misrule. That's another blog title. Someone else could take that one. That's yeah. the Lord of Misrule. The Lord of Misrule. And I, I did find that my toddler boys were a little different than my toddler girl in this way. I mean, not every, not every boy is wild and not every girl is more contained, but it was true in my case that my... But for our purpose. 
purpose is let's talk in gender stereotypes. Let's talk in gender stereotypes. Come on. I remember being at the beach. I we we all had two year olds, a bunch of my friends, and I had my two boys, so I probably had two and a three year old. And my friend's two-year-old girl was with him. And we're at the beach and my kids are like running headlong in the surf. And then, oh my God, across the highway, there's a playground. We'll have to run across six lanes of traffic to get there. And just everything was just, we never sat down the whole time. You know, people had snacks. We never had snacks. We were just basically trying to keep these two boys alive on the beach for two hours. And my friend's daughter sat at their feet while they like had a beer and enjoyed snacks and chatted with their friends and poured <laughs> sand from one cup into the other while like telling a story about what was happening with the sand very quietly to herself. <laughs> And I remember thinking, you don't really get to just count yourself as a parent. This is not the same job. Not the same thing. Yeah, I used to get like Maggie and like a thing of sugar packets at the diner. She was fine for an hour. They yeah. took them out, put them back in. I would say my, my little one, my Peggy, a salt and pepper shaker are mommy and daddy. And we can do an hour on what mommy and daddy salt and pepper shaker are saying to each other quietly in the corner while David and I like go through our entire year finances and sort everything out. Like, oh my God. Meanwhile, if my boys, it's like, stop pulling that lady's hair. Okay, sit down. You'll have to sit. Down. No, don't throw French fries at each other. Like, whatever it is. There is a uh, Tasmanian devil quality that both of my male toddlers had that my female toddler did not. Yes. And it's, it's slightly more problematic to, to parent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. And, and it, you, your, your mileage may vary, but both of us have had the experience that toddler boys are tougher than toddler girls. Yes. And also my toddler girl was a little clingy. My toddler boys my oldest was a runner. I would put him down. I remember that same friend who I was at the beach with came to visit me and he got out of the car and he, we lived on a busy street in Los Angeles and he put his daughter down next to the car and he turned back to grab whatever else he was bringing into the house. He turned back to grab it out of the car and both my husband and I lunged at his daughter like, oh my God, you have an unsecured toddler near the road. And she wasn't going anywhere. She was just going to be there. He could have gotten eight things out of the car, cleaned out the car with a vacuum, and then she would have still been there. Oh if gosh. I did that with my toddler boys, it's like, oh, goodbye. They're in Los Angeles traffic. Good luck finding them. Uh, you are taking me back to one of my one of my worst moments as a parent of young children. <laughs> I like to do that. By myself, me. you know, taking the taking the three-year-old out of the car, then walking around on the other side to get the two-year-old out of the car. Yeah, my three-year-old was in the middle of the road. All of a sudden, a car beeps. And it was on like a lonely state road. <laughs> and and, and uh, this car beeps. And yeah, my son had just followed me out into the middle of the road. I had no idea. No, it's, it's <laughs> we had one once. We went ice skating with a three-year-old and a two-year-old, which just, we could do a whole episode on why ice skating with toddlers is not a good family activity. <laughs> Bad choice, guys. Real I probably bad. could have predicted that going yeah. in. I don't know what we were thinking, but it was the holidays. We're in LA. We're like, let's go to the ice rink. That'll be fun. So we take off my son's ice skates, sit him next to us before we take off our own ice skates. So David and I are both wearing ice skates and our son <laughs> is out of ice skates. Oh. And you can tell how that went. Like he takes off. We're both in ice skates chasing him down the block in Los Angeles. And I'm basically just screaming at anyone like, grab that kid. Like, and some rando in Los Angeles scooped him up, thank God. But who knows where he would have gotten to by the time we were able to chase him in ice skates. Oh, my God. That's like an unholy reverse version of put your own oxygen mask oh, on first. Take your own ice skates off 
first. <laughs> first of all, don't go ice skating. Second of all, take your own ice skates off. First. That's really, if you're going to take away anything from this episode, yes. take it's, your own ice skates off first. It's a two-part lesson, really. Jeez, I, I feel like sometimes, I think toddlers might get easier as you get as you have more children. It's just now occurring to me because when it is your first it's like, oh, let's go to the concert. Oh, let's go ice skating. And like, let's go like to the corn maze and all this stuff that sucks. And you don't oh, want to do it. Maze. Right? Oh, the corn maze. Let's go get his picture on the pumpkin and go through the corn maze and all that like stupid, stupid do stuff that you don't have to do. you remember the people who were kind of goofing on the lady for calling 911 from the corn maze? <laughs> yes. And I was like, team lady in the corn maze. I would have had, I would have, I almost called 911 like in the middle of a sunny day in Los Angeles in a corn maze. Oh my God. She was with four kids and the youngest one was, was a little, was a toddler and it was getting dark. <laughs> I mean, team corn maze lady, let me tell you. Another thing you shouldn't do with toddlers. I think what we might be coming to in this episode is attempt nothing with toddlers. Attempt. Just stay home and feed them Cheerios all day and do nothing else. Attempt nothing. All right, so can we talk about tantrums? Because I have some interesting Ugh, research on tantrums. Yes, we must. I mean, they, they do it, right? They, the they toddlers do it. They do it in Target tantrum. mostly, in okay. my experience. So Dr. Dean Burnett, who's a neuroscientist, explains that these tantrums are biologically necessary. Like, you know how we were talking mm. about how picky eating becomes... We, we've talked in other episodes about how picky eating is a biological imperative that once kids I get to be... I love a biological imperative, Amy. I do too, because then it's kind of not your fault. So picky eating is a, it's a biological imperative. Once kids were two and three, once, you know, cave babies were two or three and they had to go out and forage on their own, they were supposed to get more picky about what they ate so they didn't eat the wrong berry. They didn't eat the poison berries, yeah. Right, or the rotted meat or whatever. So similarly, a, a tantrum is a biologically necessary thing because it is a way for a very small child to get the most possible attention from an adult or a group of adults. And I mean, it works, toddlers. You're onto something. Right. Their their ear-piercing shriek is an effective attention-getting mechanism, and he argues, like, could also have scared off predators in an earlier time. (laughs) I agree. Even if I was a hungry lion, I'd be like, I don't want any part of that (laughs) two-year-old rolling around and screaming. Oh, God. So Patrick Sauer interviewed him for, for, for fatherly, and he's like, isn't this nice screaming as a biological imperative so you can share this exciting scientific discovery the next time you bring your toddler on a plane? <laughs> we just flew home. And uh, let me tell you, there was some biological imperative going on a couple of rows in front of us. Just a two-year-old going to DEFCON 5. Like, yes. All the way. And... My sons were fascinated by it, and they kept wanting to look over. And I'm like, just don't look, don't stare, leave them alone. And um, they were trying to translate what the toddler was like. I went down the and my kids got <laughs> obsessed with trying to translate. And and my my son kept saying, I think he doesn't want to sit down. I'm like, I think that might be it. You could kind of it was. I don't want to sit down. Like you could start to make out the like the words after 15 minutes of him calming down enough to make out the words. And uh, wow, it was intense. I do get a little judgy on when I'm when I'm with a parent with a screaming toddler on a plane. I do because it's like you gotta try something. Yeah, that's that's when you that's when you bring the bouncy ball and the lollipop and the M and M's and whatever you need to do. Like try something to get them to yeah. work. Don't just sort of let them scream for half an hour. But some parents are just completely undone by it and. Or just, right, I they don't just know. go into it. Well, sometimes Shell they tell shops. you that rule of like ignore the tantrum. Yeah, you know, not on that, a plane. That, 
Not on a plane. <laughs> on, a pl- on a plane, get out the M&Ms. Like, right. Whatever it takes on a plane. Like, you can, I do think in general, ignoring tantrums is probably good advice. Like, not giving in. The more tantrums work, the more they tantrum. I agree with all of that. But when you're on a plane, don't ignore the tantrum. It City does, bus, don't ignore the tantrum. They seem, you know, they seem um, to, to, to ramp up something about that enclosed environment. Because, of course, that kid, he's going to say for two hours, I don't want to sit down, but he has to sit down. So you have to you have to interrupt the you have to interrupt the tantrum with something more interesting. Otherwise, they, he'll go for two hours. He has no problem crying for two hours that he doesn't want to sit down. He's yeah, got and unbelievable that, that reserves. Is, there is a special terror that all parents have felt where you just think this is never going to stop like this how can they have the energy one of my I have a nephew who pulled a tantrum on me one night we were all in a hotel room I had taken my I had the five kids because I took my sister's kids and we went away for a hotel room and it was bedtime and it was getting really late and everybody's got to go and the, my nephew was kind of fooling around and keeping everyone awake so I said I'm going to pull you out and put you on the sofa instead of in the bunk bedroom with the other kids and they were tired and you know probably hadn't eaten as well as they should have and he had that tantrum where it just went on and on to the point where I just thought I actually have no idea what to do now we're half an hour in he shows no sign of (laughs) slowing down I can't I know now that bringing him back, giving in and bringing him back into the bunk bedroom isn't even going to stop it. And I just thought people are going to start calling hotel security. It's 1030 at night and I've got this screaming kid. And you just get to a point where you're like, I I actually don't know what ends this. How does this story end? And what happened? I eventually... So it was snowing outside. I will say I had the idea that I would take him outside and hope the cold would shock him into silence. (laughs) But then I was like, if it was my kid, I might have done it. But it was my sister's kid. So I was like, wait a minute. What if he tells my sister, like, Aunt Meg put me in the snow, you know, in the nighttime. And so I brought him in the bathroom and I was running all the faucets, like trying to overwhelm him with the white noise. And then he had gotten very stuck on you need to find my elephant, which of course we couldn't find the elephant. So he was just screaming, the elephant, the elephant. And I finally just said to him in a very stern voice, we are finding your elephant if you stop crying. Hmm. And it's like all of a sudden his whole body tensed up and then he just passed out. Like he needed to just have like the sheriff be like, this needs to stop. Here's how we fix it. Now stop and fall asleep. And he just- <laughs> He's crumpled. It's like I overwhelmed him with like the sergeant voice and and he literally like went limp in my arms. Wow. It was bonkers. And you know, the 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 elephant thing, the the research that I was looking at, it's like they, they do get so attached to like the red shirt or the elephant or the dinosaur chicken nuggets or the penne but not rigatoni or whatever whatever it was my kids were totally obsessed about because the world is so unbelievably unfamiliar to them and they are taking so much new in every day and they'll say here's what I know I'm going to get five animal crackers and the story about trucks before bedtime every night and so those small sort of they're like these sort of buoys of consistency in this ocean of new stuff every day for them and so they they kind of can't take it when you take one of those away because 
now they're in open ocean. And so right. it, it's, it is it's very hard. scary and overwhelming. And here I've got a kid. We were away. We were at a hotel. His parents were away. Busy day. And, you know, not great food. And so it was the perfect storm of things to set him off. But then it was like he was all gasoline. I threw the match of now you're coming out of the room where you want to be. And it it just then it was then you're like, okay, now now what do I do with this giant explosion? (laughs) And it's not I don't mean to single out my sister's kid. My kids. I had a kid. I had the like dragging the screaming kid by one arm through Target while they laid on the floor. Oh, yeah. They went like full G20 protester laying down. (laughs) I will not be moved. And I am the loudest human being in the world. Go boneless. I, I read somewhere in a book. Boneless. They go boneless. Exactly. That's um. Oh yeah, it's it's the Mo it's a book about yeah Mo yeah Williams. yeah when the bunny with bunny's missing and she's back Nuffle at the laundromat. Nuffle yeah. bunny. She, she goes, goes boneless. She goes boneless. It's exactly <laughs> right. And and then and then the hilarious move is like then you try to pick them up. Ow, you're hurting me. And you're like, all right, call CPS if you want. I'm dragging this kid screaming, you're hurting me right out of here. Yeah, I have definitely removed um, um, one of my screaming children like from a city bus in New York City. Like, we are getting off and walking, which, of course, they're like, fine. You know, they, they, they don't have any certain sense not of consequence, so that's no. not useful. And so everybody was looking at me. And so, yeah, I ended up, you know, dragging him half a mile home while he was screaming because I just I couldn't I can't handle these stares of strangers. No, and and the judgy stares. It's like it, it gets stares. me every time. We we had one. We were in Chicago for Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. It was nine degrees every single day. We're in my sister in law's house. She has grown kids. Like there's not a ton for the kids to do. And I knew my nieces were teaching CCD, which didn't involve my kids, but they were like, "We're doing crafts. Bring them over for crafts." So I was desperate enough that I was like, "We're going to that craft thing." I get the kids dressed. There's no car, so it's about a maybe like a four-block walk, but long blocks. I get the kids out. It's nine degrees. It's bitingly cold. We get about two blocks into the walk. I have three, so I don't even have the option to carry even half of them, really. <laughs> and my one of the kids goes down and just lays on the ground like, I'm too cold to move any further. And we're and now we're out in the weather. It's like being stuck. You might as well be stuck on an Antarctic ice. You're the you're the Donner Party halfway you're, halfway the up the mountain. Party. Exactly. I'm like we're gonna have to start eating each other because this is where it ends. Like it's nine <laughs> degrees. The wind is whipping. I'm too far from home to turn back, but not close enough to the church to carry them. And I was looking at the houses, and I was thinking I'm gonna have to go knock on one of these doors. Um, this is like just, very little house on the prairie. Yeah, you're stuck like, in the I'm blizzard. I'm gonna have to ask them to take us in as refugees. Because we're, we're stuck out here. I'm really buying into these stories. What happened? I just, again, went into like insane sergeant mode. Like if anyone had seen me, they would have, I'm sure, called the police. I was like, get on your feet. We are walking and just dragging kids, just dragging, physically dragging three screaming kids. Of course, like my gloves are gone in the melee, so I'm freezing and I just pushed, kicked, and dragged them for two more blocks until we got into the crafts, which were, of course, unentertaining and horrible. Right. <laughs> like, that's what amused. I mean. Like, the, the more experienced mother would be like, yeah, no, it's not worth going to the crafts in the snow. We we're, were not farther, going. farther, we were closer to the crafts than home. That was my only, right. it was my North Star. Three toddlers and one grown-up is probably not a great ratio. You're totally outnumbered. You know, totally I, I read one other thing about why toddlers have tantrums that made a lot of sense, and I thought it was very interesting. 
So, you know, the fight or flight response that we all have as mm-hmm. adults. I am always flight. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, their tantruming is sometimes a, a fight or flight thing and because they connect. They're, again, biologically, they're looking out for the possibly harmful things. And so their fight or flight reflex will kick in whenever they perceive something that's unfamiliar because it might be harmful. And that's why certain kids like absolutely lose their minds over Santa Claus or Mickey Mouse. Have you ever taken your kids to Disney World? And it's always like one kid is really into it and one kid is absolutely terrified of yes i have i have all these pictures of of me with our two little ones and my two-year-old is like climbing over my shoulder to get away from, get away from them. donald duck who's just sort of standing next to me and it's terrified and, the other, and where the other kid is like hugging donald duck around both right. knees i'm in paradise but that's just like this is this is unfamiliar and it's terrifying and i'm having like a completely visceral fight or flight and i'm going to lose my mind i think it's a good time to take a break because we have a really interesting interview coming up today with Heather Spore, who has a new book coming out, The Toddler Survival Guide, Complete Protection from the Whiny Unfed. <laughs> I mean, I'm buying. It I'm sounds, buying based on the title alone. It, it sounds really if useful. If you have a kid under three, you're getting this for Christmas. Guys. This book is hilarious. So we're, we're going to bring you this interview and then we'll be back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It 
adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, what's making your toddler angry? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Her sister is looking at her. Her sister isn't looking at her. Won't let him wear only a swimsuit to school in January. Wanted ice cream for breakfast. Can't you open that bag of fruit snacks faster? Why are you hugging someone else? Battery-operated toy not allowed in bathtub. Wants to go to the zoo even though it's midnight. Won't let him play with the knife block. Shirt is itchy. Not those socks. Wants to be carried. No, not that way. That's not the way he wants to be carried. Made her stop poking you in the eyeball. Tired. Not tired. Is demanding corn with lunch. Whoa, did not want corn with lunch. Not allowed to ride the dog. Ice cream is too cold. Wants a pet goat. Thirsty. Okay, but not for milk. Really wants to put his hand in that lady's mouth. Cookie is broken. Did not want to leave the cereal aisle. Lady at the bus stop has a weird face. Very upset that people are calling her Elsa, even though she is dressed as Elsa. The sand is too scratchy. Wants to go to the pool. Does not want to go in the water. Just wants a popsicle from the snack bar. Popsicle is the wrong color. Wants it to be her birthday even though it's not. That is not the right color red. Doesn't know how to juggle. Really wants to eat this candy wrapper. Dora the Explorer Halloween costume did not change her face into Dora, just the rest of her. Can't fly. Does not want picture taken. Wants a different color hair. Mommy's iPhone sleeping right now. Only wants to wear clothes backwards but does not want them to look backwards. This has been What's Making Your Toddler Angry from the What Fresh Hell podcast. So today we are so excited to be talking to Heather Spore, who with her husband Mike has just put out a book, The Toddler Survival Guide, Complete Protection from the Whiny Unfed. Heather Spore started her blog, The Spores Are Multiplying, in 2007, and it's been visited by 65 million people nationwide since. And she's here with us. Hi, Heather. Hello. Thank you for coming. We've definitely overlapped at some point in our lives yeah. before because Amy and I both had blogs, so we've walked by each other at blogs. Yes. <laughs> Point. Yes, I absolutely. Can, I can As we, you. we're not, you know, BFFs, but we know each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we're kind of fellow travelers because Heather, I think your book is sort of funny, but with concrete takeaways, which is sort of sort of that's our our thing, Margaret. But I'm okay with Heather having that too. Funny yeah, with the point. There's room for all in the pool of <laughs> okay, funny good. but useful takeaways. <laughs> you designed the book, Heather, as a as a kind of a parody of zombie books. Yeah. So there's a zombie survival guide written by Max Brooks. 
And my husband thought it was like the most hilarious thing ever, even though that book is, is serious about how to survive zombies. It's not just, you know, ha ha zombies. So we, and we used to joke about how our son was like a zombie because he would just sort of stagger around and <laughs> be like, me want quick candy, you know, like talk like. Just barely sentient. Yeah, barely. And you couldn't understand him. And he was kind of scary sometimes. And so <laughs> didn't want to see him in the middle of the night. So we, all, we used to call him our little zombie and it just sort of spiraled from there. And the yeah. illustrations in the book are fantastic. Yeah, they're really, really amazing. The whole style of the book, because it's like the kind of book that sometimes people, there, there's an insult factor with people giving you parenting books sometimes, <laughs> yes. you know? Yes. It kind of has that vibe of like, oh, hi, you know what I thought would be perfect for you? A book about parenting. <laughs> Seriously, like, what are you it's trying to say about me? Like, oh, thanks, mother-in-law. <laughs> or like, here's, a, here's a book about how to cook better. I thought it would be good for you. Yeah. Seriously. But you kind of avoid that pitfall because it's got this really funny take on it. So it feels more like, I just want to laugh with you. And also, maybe you could learn some things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we tried to give, put, put it full of practical advice and the things that literally every parent of a toddler will go through. And not just like, you know, parents with behavioral problems or things like that. Like everyone goes through trying to get their toddler to play with other kids and not to be a crazy beast in a, in a restaurant, you know, stuff like that. So it's all stuff that every parent's going to have to go through at one point. Heather, you kind of talk about in the book about there's incremental gains and a yeah. long game with toddlers and that, that parents have to keep that in mind. Can you talk about that and sort of how, how you approach toddlers with that mindset? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's very much like picking your battles with everything, you know, so <laughs> it's all about, you know, am I get if I give him this candy now it'll shut him up, but then he's going to want it again next time. So, you know, it's all about like the little things like that and the small victories because, you know, toddlers can be so adorable and they'll hug you and kiss you. And then in the next second, they're just destroying something. Well, there is something just hilarious about a tiny, fat, useless baby. Yeah taking over your entire life and running it. So there's a fine line, Heather. You talk about accepting the new normal, right, when it comes right. to parenting toddlers. But then you have to push against it, too. You can't just be overrun by the zombies. So how, right. do you, how, do you, how do you recommend parents of wild toddlers start to reclaim their home for themselves? Well, I think you have to accept the fact that for at least a year, your house is going to be... It won't be your own. <laughs> and then they're, you know, unless you want to kind of treat them like a dog and like use the baby gates and the dog gates, which I am fully in favor of. We did that for a long time in my house. Um, so just kind of understand that, you know, this, you're trying to, you're not only trying to keep your house safe, but you are trying to keep your toddler safe too, <laughs> in theory. <laughs> but I, for us, we just, I don't know, maybe, I don't think we, like, gave over too much, but we were just, like, prepared to, allow, or prepared for the disaster to happen, no matter what. <laughs> you know, toddlers are, are funny and scary, let's be real. But they're also cute, but you don't need advice about what to do when they're cute. <laughs> you need advice on what to do no when they needed. are... Yeah, exactly. You need, you need to know what to do when they're, when they're being crazy and what, what, how to survive, you know those problems that everyone who has a toddler faces. Unless so, you're, you're a mythical unicorn toddler who's like perfect in every way, in which case I don't want to be friends with you. Right. Don't, you're forbidden from reading yeah, this book. Yeah, exactly. 
Heather, we were talking uh, during this episode about uh, planes being a particularly oh intense uh, <laughs> oh experience God. to withstand with a zombie <laughs> toddler yeah. because you're because you're trapped. And but you you actually have some some pretty good advice in this book for like concrete ways to survive that. We need that. good advice. Yeah. Good advice so so my. The way I survived, because I, I traveled a fair amount with, with my kids when they were toddlers. I mean, my, my son is four and a half, and I still treat him like a toddler. Let's be real. He's he is crazy. But um, I was all about my bag of tricks. So I would... The thing that, that a lot of people will tell you to do, you fill up a bag full of toys they've never seen before. And it's full of stuff that you don't care about them losing or destroying. So lots of dollar store stuff. And you just pull it out one by one, along with snacks and just literally every electronic device you're allowed to bring on a plane at this point. <laughs> like, let's, You've like uh, that super computer from the 70s. Oh, God. Like yeah. Like, we've got it. We often call it plane rules on the podcast. I thought you podcast. called it sky rules. Sky rules. Sky rules. Sky rules. I got to remember my brands, Amy. My God. Sky rules. And sky rules is like everything that's a rule on the ground evaporates yes. the minute you get on an airplane. Like, yeah. do, would you like to eat 65 M&Ms? It's sky rules. Yeah, exactly. You're eating them. I think my son once had like... No joke, eight glasses of apple juice yeah. on a plane. And we went to the bathroom about eight times. Run us through a couple of your toddler types and see if we can recognize them. Well, my daughter loves the, the artist. That's, uh, and I'll say yes. that that was what she, that's who she was. She was the, oh, you left your makeup too close to the counter. I'm going <laughs> to use all of it and put it all over her face and all over the walls and just like and the body that's the one that always gets me like if they find the lipstick it's like and i drew all over my pajamas it's like have you ever seen me put on lipstick yeah exactly where it goes like no it doesn't you don't use lipstick on your fingernails and you don't put it on your eyelids like what are you doing so there there was like that kind of kid then there there's like the pig pen that's my son he's just (laughs) like he gets out of the shower and the and the dirt just immediately like zooms back onto him. And I, I also think that every kid is each kind of toddler at one point or another. And we talk a lot on the podcast about, in terms of what we're trying to convey to people, is you want to take advice from people who seem to recognize your you. And so the books that are like, oh, in France, every kid eats oh. salmon and never complains. It's like, I, I'm not interested in no. that book. That's we, just a book that makes me feel bad about yeah, myself. Yeah, exactly. Right. We didn't want to write a book like that. We wanted to write a book for the normal parent, the parent who's going to use the tablet to chill their kid out for 15 minutes so they can just, like, sit. We, we didn't want to be unrealistic. We wanted to share the things that we had used and, and had worked for us and had worked for our friends and then make people feel better about their choices. We're not trying to make anybody feel bad. We're trying to be like, you know, the parents next door, which we basically are. Heather, where can we find your book and where can we find you on the interwebs? So my, our book is called The Toddler Survival Guide, Complete Protection from the Whiny and Fed. You can find it on Amazon. My husband, you can find writing at BuzzFeed Parents. And my blog is called The Spores Are Multiplying. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. I, I learned something fascinating about toddlers that I wanted to, to share with you. Please. Dean Burnett, same neuroscientist, knows a lot about toddlers would be a great babysitter. He says that, so you know how you'd kind of don't remember anything from before you were about five years old or you might remember one <laughs> I thing. I you were going to say 25, but yeah. yeah, it's five years old. Like I remember looking through the bars of my crib at Sesame Street on the television. That's, but that's, you know, like all I remember from childhood. Um, that, that's kind of because like our brains were still growing and forming memories. So that's kind of, you know, a universal thing. Most of us don't remember stuff. But he says, which I, what I didn't know is 
that kids, toddlers are kind of like Dory from Finding Nemo, that they really are. Their brains are so busy growing new cells that they don't really form memories. The reason you don't remember that stuff is that you didn't remember stuff even when you were in that age. Hmm. So it's kind of like That's everything is new. They're just hardwired to not store many memories. And so it is encouraging to me because my, oh my gosh, Seamus, my middle guy, he had stitches four times before he was four years old. Oh. And they were, you know, harrowing and certainly etched in my memory as, you know, awful experiences at the ER, but but he doesn't really remember them. And and he, and he this neuroscientist is saying, he, they don't even really remember them like two weeks later. Mm. You know how they seem to get over stuff really quickly? They yeah. do get over stuff really quickly because they really don't remember, not then and certainly not when they get older. I thought that was fascinating. I like it. It's encouraging. So I guess my question is, how do Drag we use that? Drag that kid out of Target screaming, you're hurting me. They're not going to remember. <laughs> right. Which is why I think, you know, you, you know, there's all this stuff like you can't say no too often to your toddler. Find other ways to be. I'm like, what? say no. Say no every second. If they're touching a hot stove, say no. I don't. Right. I, that's when I don't really understand who, like, who cares if you say no too much. You do need to say no a lot. They're toddlers. I will say this. I think the best advice I've gotten regarding toddlerhood. I had a pediatrician, I've said this before, who said the toddler is hardwired to enjoy the jack-in-the-box. Like there's a reason you give a toddler a jack-in-the-box. Like they wind it and it pops. Like they do something and they get the reaction they're expecting. That is very comforting mentally to a toddler. You have to be careful as the parent not to become the jack-in-the-box. Like if I throw this stuff on the floor, mommy goes crazy. And that's funny to watch. Uh. And so... The more you can blank face bad behavior to the toddler, like be a neutral responder, the better. I like that a lot. Because when they wind you up and you pop, that is what they're going for. And that is very exhausting for you. And so one thing that we've done in our house is there is no tantruming in the downstairs area of our house allowed. If you start to have a tantrum, move all to to tantrums to all tantrums will be really located to floor. the upstairs, to okay. the sun porch, to the upstairs area of the house. Yeah. So and it has really cut down the amount of tantruming that we deal with. I mean, I had a 7-8-year-old who was still struggling with tantrums and every once in a while something will really still set him off and if he's speaking rudely or getting upset about stuff, he has to go up to his room until the tantrum's over. And will he go? Like, I'm, I'm just imagining a, an already out of control child. There are Not that I've ever had one I of have those. I picked him up under the arms and moved him yeah, to okay. his room. Yeah, okay. All right. No, it's not. So if necessary, you, if necessary, but with it has help. gotten established well enough now that I haven't done that in a really long time. Mm hmm. Even if he's mad, he'll stomp the whole way up the stairs and ah, this isn't fair. And he'll he'll take the drama, but then he shuts his door. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because even, yeah, my, my older kids, they will, you know, rage at the gods or whatever up in their room, slam the door. Ah, and, and, and I don't really care about that. If they're in their room, they're allowed to do that. Yeah, because it's it's not that you don't want them to express themselves, but... They, it, it's a reinforcement of the thing of tantrums don't work. That's the biggest thing with tantrums is figuring out how to make them not work. Mm. Because the more they work, the more they're going to happen. Right. That's, that's a good, that's a good bit of advice. And I do at the end of the tantrum, once I hear it start to calm down, I will go into the room and say, wow, you got really upset about that. What happened there? 
and we can talk it through. But if I walk in, wow, you got really upset. You're the worst. I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll come back later. Right. I'll come back later when you're calmer. I'm sorry. I thought you were almost done, but let me l- give you a few more minutes. Yeah. It's not about invalidating or ignoring what is actually wrong, but you cannot have that conversation with someone who's rolling around the floor and kicking. <laughs> no matter how old they are, I agree with that. And the other thing you have to be willing to do, you got to be willing to leave the soccer game or the ballet lesson. Oh, well, what, if, 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 you, if you threaten to do for, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you threaten to do it, you do it. Mm-hmm. Once it comes out of your mouth. I have sort of a corollary to that. Which okay. is that kids? I'll take a corollary. The, that, which is the kids need to act their age, which is a sort of you know pro for the toddler. Like I, I, I went to a wedding many years ago before I was a parent, and even then I could see that this was crazy. It was a two-year-old, two-year-old ring bearer. Now that's always you know that's dicey. That's dicey, exactly dicey to have the toddlers in the wedding. You know, best case scenario, they're going to totally steal the focus. Worst case scenario, they're going to throw a tantrum in the back of the church. So I watched this kid, he was two, having his parents being like, practice this, and and, and trying to bribe him with M&Ms and all that kind of thing. And he just didn't want to. It was nap time. It was that he just didn't want to do it. And they ended up being like, we are so disappointed in you. Like having this like, you know, angry, tearful thing in the back of the church, being mad at this kid. Like he's two it's gonna he's gonna have to walk down the aisle in front of a bunch of strangers he may or may not want to do that and that has to be okay with you right i I went to another wedding where the two-year-old ring bearer was carried down the aisle by the father of the bride while he had the bride on the other arm and that was kind of cute like if you're okay with anything happening then that's fine but don't it's wrong to have an expectation of a two-year-old that's completely unfair managing expectations i try to keep myself and my kids out of situations where the expectation is, well, they're going to do this magical cute thing (laughs) because it's such a setup for failure, you know? And I I try to suss out all the ways it could possibly go wrong (laughs) so that we just really work hard to manage expectations so you don't end up in the situation where today is ruined if you don't walk down the aisle, two-year-old. Because, man, you're putting a lot of power and control in the hands of someone who doesn't get it a lot. And the chances of it going wrong are pretty big. Yeah. I had a two-year-old flower girl at my wedding, my best friend's daughter. She was adorable. She looked so cute in the outfits. The pictures were amazing. And then she went to put the flowers out. And she was scared. She was scared to walk down. So she was. it was very cute. She was, like, walking down the aisle. And she kept trying to get in people's... Um, pews, the pews. Like she's trying to run into the pews. <laughs> and so people were putting their hands out and kind of like gently guiding her down the aisle. And then at some point she got to her dad's pew and she jumped on his lap and she didn't want to get out. And my brother walked down and took her by the hand and walked her the rest of the way up the aisle. It was adorable. Like it was unexpected. It was cute. It was a little like, ah, ha ha light moment right at the beginning. And it was adorable. It was fine. Um, but if she didn't want to go with, with your brother, that would have been okay, too, because she's You would have just old. had to say, like, that, that's, not, that's not how this is going to go, you know? And that is very hard with toddlers, is managing those expectations of, like, it's our first Thanksgiving. Everyone's coming to see the new baby. We can't wait to gather around and marvel at how cute he is. Oh, but what he really wants to do is scream at the top of his lungs and throw mashed potatoes <laughs> and be a terror <laughs> 
And then you get that feeling of like, oh, he ruined everything. And that's not really fair to put on an 18 month. Right. Not when it was 90 minutes past his bedtime or something. Yeah. It occurs the, to me because my situations come up a lot. My sort of best toddler advice is is to always to always give them a choice. Like like would you like to wear your train pajamas or your lion pajamas? That they you give them a choice. It's not really a choice. But walking down the aisle, I have a choice between going or not going, right? But if it's like would you like to have um eggs and sausage or eggs and pancakes? Um Give give them a. They love to have they love to have um, agency over themselves. But giving them a decision of which toothbrush they're going to use is a good way to give them that without, well, while also getting what you want, which is them in bed and you. Yeah, <laughs> and I you think off that's duty. right. And it's another rule that kind of carries forward. Like that still works on a nine year old. You're right. That still works on a teenager. Would you rather do this or this? We're going. So here's here's your choice in it. Right. And the problem with toddlers is that they're kind of. It's like walking around with TNT all the time in your purse. Like you can prep for all of this. You can blank face this stuff. You can manage expectations. You can take your ice skates off first. You can do all the things we're talking about. And that toddler bomb is going to blow on you at some point. There's no way to do it all so that you just never have a problem with a toddler. <laughs> that is not really the goal. That's not, that's right. That's not a, um, yeah, that's not, that. that's a, that's a, trolley to feel bad town if you're like i will never i will have a well-behaved <laughs> it's a, toddler it's an express trolley to feel bad town <laughs> yeah and then i think when it blows then your only option is a full and quick extraction extraction whenever possible right and on a plane not possible so that's why a plane has special rules like lollipops right. and dora and a hotel room where it's nine degrees outside like i there's there was no way to extract my guy in that situation and that's when you're really trapped but if you're at swim practice and the kid is having a tantrum, your instinct is, I paid for this swim lesson. I'm not going to leave $40 on the table. Leave your $40 on the table and get out. Yeah. It also teaches the toddler that behavior doesn't work. And I think you can be, we've talked about this in, in completely different um, contexts, but but beware of, um, I have a friend with a toddler. She's like, oh, he has to have vegetarian sausage and this kind of thing every morning because that's what he has. He can't have anything else. And, and that's your yes if you're letting that reality be driven by the toddler then that's what will happen and then you'll have a tantrum when you visit the in-laws and their grocery store doesn't have that kind of vegetarian sausage and that's right you can and, and start introducing like you know, they can have the vegetarian sausage and cheerios and this just put it out just let them let them get used to tolerating things rather than being the short fat dictator because exactly because the story this is a, a large life takeaway. The story you tell yourself is the story that you will live in, no matter what. Like if I tell myself like, oh, I have a really rough marriage and my husband's annoying, that's the story I'm going to live in. If I tell myself the story of, listen, we're in this together and we got to figure out a way to make it work, that's the story I'm going to live in. And it's really true with toddlers and kids. Like beware telling yourself the story of... The toddler runs the house. I have no control over them. I just try to keep up with their ever-changing needs. Like, I would try to flip that story back on yourself as much as possible. All right. You're tough. I like, I like this I idea about uh, control the story. Control the story. Take your ice skates off first if you've made the horrible mistake of going ice skating, which you shouldn't have. They're Dorian Finding Nemo. They're not going to remember any of this anyway. So Blank face, bad behavior. Blank face, bad behavior. If the tantrum results in the kid getting a cookie... We're in dark water. Mm. Right. 
on the other hand, it's also okay to back off and try again next month if, uh, I don't know, like taking away blankie for nursery school is just, is just too fraught. I love the word fraught. Yeah. Uh, doing fun outings with toddlers, with family, especially with other people. In for yourself, manage your expectations. <laughs> Sounds we're better. We're going to try this swim lesson, but if they have a tantrum at swim lesson, we're coming home. You got to watch the random threats <laughs> that you're not going to follow through on. Because those they will remember. It's so tempting. If you do this, we aren't going to have a birthday party for you this year. You know, like the crazy things that start to come out of your mouth. You have to check that stuff. Because when you say it, you really, really should do it. Toddlers they, are, they're they gonna, learn so fast that those things don't mean anything. Toddlers are going to act their age, right? And there's times when that's adorable and there's times when that's infuriating and you have to sort of corral that to the, to the best of your ability and not have expectations that are unrealistic but not have no expectations whatsoever because then they really are dictators. Yeah, and don't <laughs> let them cry downstairs. <laughs> Crying Banish upstairs. Them. I'm taking that Banish one with me. them for crying. <laughs> All right, so we want to know, how are you dealing with the toddlers at your house? The tantrums. The We're so glad that you're there at your house. Unreasonable house. expectations. What unreasonable expectations have you had for your toddler that were soon regretted? Do you have any great toddler tips, things that you're doing? Yeah. We can tell toddler us toddler mishaps, like the, like my ice skating story. You can tell us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is What Fresh Hellcast, and that's also our Instagram. We would love to see your misbehaving toddlers tagged on What Fresh Hellcast on Instagram. And we're also on Twitter at WFH Podcast. I'm going to put up links to some of the studies that we talked about today. That's <laughs> going to be on our website, WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. Thanks to Heather Spore. Get her book. It's really funny. Her book is called The Toddler Survival Guide, Complete Protection for the Whiny Unfed. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. See you next time, guys. Thanks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.